Welcome to The City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. I really think this message will encourage you and remind you of just how good our God is. Psalm 46. Hands down, one of my favorite passages of Scripture um, and, and, and so I pray that you would open up your heart this morning. Uh, this is not my words. This is the word of God for you and for us today. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, but he utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all of the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of the Lord for us today. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you are our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And so, Lord, we know that even if the earth gives way and everything falls apart, there's still a God who sits on the throne. And so this morning, I pray that we would run to that refuge and that strength, that very present help in time of trouble. I pray, oh God, that this word would be a needed reminder to those, Lord, who feel unsafe, to those who feel, God, that they have been left alone, oh God, that we would be reminded that there is a God who will never leave us or never forsake us, that the God of Jacob is our fortress, and the God of Jacob is with us forever. We love you, and we thank you for this truth in the name of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. What would you be willing to risk if you knew you would survive? Uh, what would you be willing to do if you were guaranteed that you would live through it? I, I, any risk takers in the house, you, you like taking risks. There's some hands in the back. Uh, how many of y'all play it safe? Like you like safety, you like the floor, you like, like just like solid, you know, yeah, gotcha. It really depends, right? Some of us are kind of like in the middle. We feel risky if it's the right day. There's some videos that pop up on Facebook periodically that show people doing absolutely crazy things. They'll, they'll go to like the edge of a building or they'll like be on a hoverboard, right? Like right next to the edge of a, and, and the videos literally make your stomach turn as you watch these, these clips. Go ahead and throw that first clip on for me, Adriana. Clip number one. Just take a, take a, take a look at what these people do. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
set. How many of you get sick just watching it? Just watching on the screen, sitting in a sanctuary today. Like, exactly. It's, it's, it's awful. You couldn't catch me ever. Like, I don't, I don't care. And the reason is, like, I would die. I just know I would literally die. Not figuratively, not in my soul, like, physically die. I, I would not be able to survive something like When he's running across that grid, like it's a sidewalk, like, that's absolutely nuts. Like, why would you? People are crazy. People are crazy. But what would you be willing to risk if you knew you would survive? Like, if there was a guarantee, like, I guarantee you, you're going to make it. You're going to live on the other side of this. What, 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 would we, what kind of boldness would we develop if we lived with a confidence that there is nothing that can come against us that we won't survive? That there won't be life on the other side of it. Like, what risks would we be willing to take, not only in life, but what would we be willing to do for God if we knew that life was on the other side of it? If we knew that there was no way we would fail if we simply stepped out and did it. Church, this morning, I want to push you to be a little bit riskier. To, to be willing to put a little bit more on the line because this is the big idea for this morning that in God we can face anything and there will always be life on the other side. We can face anything knowing that we will live. Knowing that we will live. You can throw anything at somebody who is in Christ. There is nothing that we cannot face that there is not life on the other side. Can you tell two people, we will live? We will. We are survivors. In God, we can face anything knowing that we will live. Let me tell you six stories right off the bat. The first story would be Noah. Noah is a man who, who he, he, he was a, a righteous man in the middle of an unrighteous generation. And God was so indignant with humanity that he said, I'm going to destroy humanity and start over, but preserve Noah and his family. You know what I love? Kind of pause parentheses. That Noah was the righteous one, but his whole family benefited. I also, I, I want to give you this word. You may be in an un, unsaved family or among unsaved people, but because you are righteous, your whole family automatically benefits by you being there. Let's go back. All right, so Noah's a righteous man in an unrighteous generation. God's about to destroy the earth. Not about to, 120 years later, he would destroy the earth. But he's telling Noah, build an ark. There's no such thing as arcs. What do you, what's an ark? There's no such thing as rain. What is rain? It's going to rain. What does that mean? And so God tells Noah, build an ark. And so Noah just starts building. He's obedient to the call of God to build. If God says build, we build. If God says do this, we do this. If God says go there and do that, we do that. You know what I love about Noah's righteousness is that his righteousness translated into obedience. It is pointless to be righteous but not be obedient to the voice of God. Let's continue. So Noah is an obedient man. He's hammering away for 100 years. He, he has his three boys helping him now, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. They're helping him uh, build, the, build the ark until the day comes 120 years later that it starts raining, 40 days and 40 nights, and God destroys the earth. 
But within this wooden ark, on this globe covered with rain, covered with water, there is a righteous man and his family who are preserved. And God gives them a sign of the covenant, a rainbow that, that promises this family, promises this righteous man that God will never destroy the earth again with water. The, the sum up of this story is that he faced anything knowing that there was life on the other side. In God, we can face anything knowing that we will live. If God promised Noah that Noah would be preserved, I will take God at his word that if God said it, we can believe it and God did indeed preserve Noah's life and I want to remind you this morning you can face anything knowing that on the other side you will live in the middle of destruction there is Noah his wife his three boys their three wives all these animals and God kept his promise is there anybody here this morning who wants to thank God that God is a promise keeping God can you say amen in God, we can face anything knowing that we will live. There's a very unappreciated woman in the Old Testament, Jochebed. She's the mother of Moses. Th this mother, this mother of three children, Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, she, she's faced with the reality that Pharaoh is going to kill all of the newborn boys in all of the land of Egypt. All these boys will be thrown into the Nile River. And so she looks upon her young child's face, Moses' face, and it says time after time that she saw a godly face. That she saw a man of God in the making. That she saw someone who had something particular about him. And so she was left with a decision. Either we, she would face the certainty that he would die at the hands of the Egyptians or she could risk the life of her son, put him in a basket, and set him on the same river where all of the newborn boys were being killed. And she decided to take the risk because faced with the certainty of his death or the possibility of his life, she'd rather go with a possibility than a certainty. And so she puts him in a basket and sets him on the river, and Miriam watches as that basket goes down the river. And I'm telling you, there is no such thing as a coincidence when something is, when the favor and the anointing of God is on a person, there is no such thing as a coincidence in that person's life. And that basket goes from Miriam's hands right to the hands of the daughter of Pharaoh, setting up a situation where Moses would grow up to be educated like the Egyptians, raised as one of the Egyptians, so that he could free the Hebrew people from the Egyptians. There is something that God did. And I'm telling you, this woman, this mother, Jacobed, this mother of Miriam, Aaron, and Moses found out firsthand that in God we can face anything knowing that we will live. There's a man named Joseph. You know the story of Joseph well, right? The favored son of his father who was given a coat of many colors. He was a dreamer. And he dreamed a dream where his brothers would one day bow down to him. And he told his brothers the dream. Be careful with who you tell your dreams to. So he tells his brother the dream, and, and his brothers are like, who does this kid think he is? He, thinking that we're going to bow down to him. So they strip him of his clothes, put him in a ditch, sell him off into slavery. To make a very long story extremely short, he ends up going into prison because he is misconstrued as being somebody who was going after the wife of the guy that bought him, if that makes any sense. Go back to the podcast and re-listen. So he ends up in prison because he was accused of a crime he didn't commit. 
That's easier to understand. And then, because of God's positioning of any, everything, remember there is no such thing as coincidences for those that are in the hands of God. He ends up in second in command over all of Egypt in a time where there was famine over all the land. Who comes roaming into Egypt needing food at that time? Joseph's in charge of the food. There are the brothers who sold him into slavery years earlier needing food. If I were Joseph, I would have been like, you remember what happened 25 years ago when you sold me into slavery? Yeah, I'm that guy that you sold. Y'all can go eat trees. I don't care what y'all eat. Eat whatever you want. Joseph is now in charge of the thing that the brothers need. I'm telling you, don't burn your bridges. You never know who's going to show up 30 years later needing you. Let me take a moment to cool off because that was good. So Joseph goes from dreamer to prisoner to prime minister. He goes from favored son, falsely accused, second in command over all of Egypt. He goes through this weird trajectory of being up, then down, then really up again. It feels like a lot of our lives, right? We're starting here, we're serving God, and now we feel like we're here. And then, but I'm telling you, there's always something else on the other side that God is doing. The story of Joseph's life is encapsulated by this one truth, that in God we can face anything, knowing that we will live. Job chapter 1. There's a picture of a righteous man who has it all. I'm telling you, he got the wife, the kids, the money, the cattle. The harvest, the house, the car, the, 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 the horses, the, the every, you name it, Job got it. By the end of chapter one, his kids are killed, the cattle are gone, and the harvest is dead. I mean, this story literally goes from really great to really bad in a few verses. And like every time this guy got bad news, did the kids never leave? Oh, the kids got to leave, yo. I was too excited to preach. Kids, yo, go out. Sam's waiting for you. My bad. That's my fault. Love y'all. Have a great time. I'm still going to preach for another hour. You got a great time. Go, go, go. go. Pam just kind of coming here and picking out one kid at a time. So Job ends up losing everything in a short period of time. And, and even his wife says, Job, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? This is, this is homeboy's wife. Like, this is your number one supporter telling you to curse God and die. Like, you know things are bad when even your wife is saying things are bad. My wife is very optimistic. So when, when, when she says things are bad, things are bad. But Job says, even if God slays me, yet I will trust in him. To make a very long story very short, by the end of the book of Job, it says that Job's latter days were greater than his former days. Everything that the enemy had taken, God restored a hundredfold. And the point of Job's story is this. In God, you can face anything knowing that you will live. How about Daniel? Daniel, a man of prayer. And so, because he was a man of prayer and people were hating on Daniel, there was an edict in the land that nobody could pray to any other god other than the king. And so what does Daniel do? He continues to pray to the king of kings. 
The haters catch him in the act of praying. They end up punishing him by throwing him in a den of lions. And they wait overnight to see this man that had broken the laws of the king killed in a den of lions. They open up the lion's den the next day, and what is Daniel doing? He is surrounded by the most beautiful, passive, kind, and loving lions you have ever seen in your life. And the point of Daniel's story is this, that in God, you can face anything knowing that you will live. How about in that same book of scripture, there are three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, best names of the Old Testament. Same situation is happening. There is a golden statue in the land that everybody must bow down and worship, but not these three Hebrew boys. Because above any king, there is the king of kings. And so they, 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 they say, okay, we're going to give you one more shot. If you don't bow down, you're going to be thrown into the furnace. The moment comes. Will they bow or will they not bow? You better bet all your money they didn't bow. So this moment comes where they're going to be thrown into this fiery furnace. And they give these guys a shot. And they say this. Even if you throw us in, our God is able to deliver us from your hand. O king. But even if God doesn't, we still won't bow down to the golden statue that you have set up. So they say, all right, let's test your God. They throw these three Hebrew boys into the fiery furnace, crank it up to full blast heat. And the guy that cranked it up to full blast heat dies from the heat that he's putting on the three Hebrew boys. And all of a sudden, the people are looking into this fiery furnace, and they threw three people in, but there's a fourth man in that fire. It's, the, it's, it's Jesus. It's the embodiment of Christ before Christ ever showed up. And these three Hebrew boys come out of this furnace unscathed, unburned, not even smelling like smoke, proof to all of the land that the God of Israel is the one true God. But the bottom line of this story is this. In God, you can face anything, even a fiery furnace, knowing that you will live. I mean, should I go through 300 more stories that all prove the same point, that if someone is in Christ, if someone is in the Lord, they can face virtually anything knowing that they will live. I'm telling you, what would it do for our faith if we would know and recognize and live with this fearlessness that you can throw anything at me because I will survive? If anybody's in Christ, I don't care what it is, unemployment, divorce, broke, whatever, this, that, the other, disease, illness, whatever it may be, in God, you can face anything knowing that you will live. And Psalm 46, tucked right in the middle of our Bible, proves that point when it says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. I mean, I'm grateful that in moments where people weren't there for me, God is there for me. I'm grateful for a God who is a refuge in a time of storm. I'm grateful for a God that gives me strength when I am weak. 
I am grateful for a God that never abandons his children. I am grateful for a God who promises me his protection and his guidance. And I am grateful for a God that gives me supernatural strength in the middle of overwhelming storms and gives me a faith that rises above. And even though people will grow weak and weary and people will stumble and fall, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint in. God, you can face anything knowing that you will live. Can you say amen? amen? You will live. You will not die. That's a big claim. That's a big promise, and that's a big amen statement, and that sounds amazing, and I'll qualify that statement later, but some of you guys may know, Alini and I went on a little bit of a vacation this week. We flew out last Sunday to Myrtle Beach, and uh, we're going to spend Sunday to Thursday there. I mean, I, I feel a little bit tan. Do I look a little tan? Well, now the redness is covering the, because I'm sweating. But I, I have enough Cape Verdean in me that if I'll time it right, I'll tan and not get red. So I got, I got to, I just, I, you know, I got a tan. So, so, there, so we were laying out on, on the beach. It was great, right? Feels awesome. Fourth of July comes around, and, uh, and we're going to watch fireworks. Anybody love fireworks? Fireworks shows, right? We all love fireworks. So there's this spot called Broadway at the beach, on Myrtle Beach. And it's like, it's kind of like if you put rent them outlets around a lake. That's kind of like what it is. It's just like a bunch of stores and restaurants, and, but it surrounds a lake. So it's very nice, right? You walk around, you eat, you shop. It's beautiful. So we find out they're having a fireworks show at 10 p.m. on 4th of July. Great, let's go. I'm, I'm down for it. So we, we eat, we have a good time. We're waiting, watching the clock. You know, you know Americans, they'll show up. They'll bring their lawn chairs, their coolers, right? We're, we're, we're all in as if this show is going to last forever, right? It's Literally 15 minutes, but we're camping out like it's going to last a, a year. So uh, I'm like, we don't have anything, so we're just going to stand here. And we find this little spot on this fence overlooking the lake. I'm like, this is perfect. Like, we're on vacation. This is going to be awesome. We're going to be here for the hour-long show, right? It's going to be it's gonna be great. This dude, like, I'm guarding this spot on this fence, like, this is our spot. This is me and Alini's spot. There's a family here. There's a family there. And there's this dude who I swear looked Kate Verdian. And, and he just comes up trying to, like, inch in our space. Alini, Alini went to Starbucks to go to the bathroom and get, like, some, some energy to come back. And so I'm kind of guarding our spot. So I'm literally standing at the fence like this. Like, just trying to, like, overpower this guy. And he's kind of just, like, encroaching. He invites his wife to come over. I'm like, my wife's coming. We start spreading out more. This dude has nothing to do with my, the point of this story. I just really wanted to be like, if someone got a spot, stop trying to encroach on their space. It's very rude. So, uh, so, so whatever. Alini comes back. I'm like, Alini, like, you need to come back sooner. This dude. We've been waiting here for like an hour and a half now. This guy literally almost took our spot. This was pretty bad. So, okay, it's getting 9.55, all right. Place is packed out. I mean, thousands of people have showed up at this point. Thousands. I mean, 
no room to walk. We're standing on the lake. I'm like, wow, this is going to be the best show ever. So many people. So many people. My wife's very paranoid, though, of crowds. So she'll be looking around like someone's out to get us. I'm like, we're in Myrtle Beach. No one knows us. <laughs> She's always thinking, like, worst case. Um, and I'm like, chill. Let's, let's. So the fireworks start. Beautiful, glittery, tall, like the whole, the whole nine. But then I look back, and there are people running. Running. I'm like, the show's not over. Why are we running? But they're running and screaming. Shooter. shooter and I freak out I'm like what's happening what's happening like I'm trying to get a straight answer from one person <laughs> I'm a pastor like, like just what's happening what's happening trying to shield my wife and which is not hard right just stand right there and shield it um but people are starting to run. And so Alita's like, calm down. And so people are, kids are now crying at this point. People are screaming and just running. In all, I'm talking thousands of people. Thousands of people are running in all directions. We just start running, running and praying, running and praying. I walk past this other lady who now has a gun also and is defending herself in this corner. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I, don't, I'm, I can't handle this. I can't, I can't do it. Can't do it. So we just run. I don't know where I am at this point. Like, I'm not going to stop at the map that says you are here, figure out where I'm going. Like, I don't know where I am. I'm in South Carolina. I've never been here before. Never been to this place in my life. So we just start running, praying for God's protection. I don't know what's happening, but I know I ain't staying. And the fireworks continue. That was the most mind-blowing part to me. I'm like, I don't know what's a gunshot or what's a firework at this point. Every time there was a firework, I'm like, oh, 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 firework. But it was bad, so we just start running for the parking lot. The thing is, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have a car that week. We just Ubered everywhere because everything was very close. So, like, I'm like, how am I going to find an Uber in the middle of this mess? Like, they're never going to find me. Everyone, so Alidia's starting to ask people that are driving out, can we hop in your car? I'm like, girl, we don't know if they're the shooter. Not hopping in no one's car. <laughs> Man. So I spot a Marriott across the street. We didn't even stay at this Marriott, but I'm like, we're going to this Marriott. We just start running through this open field to Marriott. She's in her wedges, wedge shoes. I'm like, girl, you couldn't have worn flats today? Like, <laughs> I, we're just going for this Marriott. I'm like, this Marriott is my refuge, present help in time of trouble. I'm going there. We run into this Marriott. Families are already there crying. Like, I mean, it was mayhem. Mayhem. I didn't have time to shoot a video, but you know people in this generation, they film everything. Can you throw up the clip, Adriana? Clip number two of what was happening at the place that we were at on Wednesday.
We can stop it there, Adriana. From this quick clip, you can kind of tell a little bit of how the environment was at that moment. So we got into this, um, into this Marriott, and, uh, and so I called for an Uber, not knowing the traffic was already building up around that area. And I'm like, we could be here for hours. But then this dude rolls up. I mean, this big black dude. I'm like, this is the guy I need to be with right now. <laughs> Huge black dude in a big truck. I'm like, thank you, God. If, the, if, if Angel Gabriel was in physical form, it's this man right here. He rode up, calm, cool, and collected. Opened the door. He's playing. What was the song? Stand by me. Stay with me. I'm like, I will, sir, till the end. <laughs> I will stay with you as long as you need me to. He opens up the door. He's like, how y'all doing tonight? Chill. Chillest dude. Lean Kind of like a Raheem type, right? Lean back. And I'm like, oh, he didn't know what was going on. He's like, I don't know what's going on here. It's mad traffic, right? And I'm like, yeah, crazy traffic. <laughs> Let's just go. <laughs> so uh, so then uh, we, we just start talking to him and, and, and we're like, yeah, I think there's a shooting happening at Broadway at the beach. He's like, oh, yeah, it's not Myrtle Beach. It's Murder Beach. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm all set with the state. I'm all set with Myrtle Beach. I'm good. But, sir, you are the best for picking me up. And so he took us back to our hotel, which fortunately was like about fi 15 minutes away from all, the, all this chaos. He drops us off. I give him a good tip. I'm like, sir, you are the best. Um, but there was this moment of fear in our hearts where it's like, God, why would you let me be here at this time? In the day and age that we're living in, it felt like something you see on the news. It was chaotic. It was horrible. I wouldn't wish that feeling on anybody. And what's even worse is, I mean, fortunately, it turns out that there was not a shooter. Thank God. Nobody got hurt. It started with a fight where somebody threatened to pull out a gun. And so a threat became mass chaos at a moment's notice. But I want to talk about that Marriott again. Because in the middle of all of this mayhem that was going on around us, we spotted a place that we could run to. It wasn't a place that I had checked into. It wasn't a member. It was not somewhere that I had paid to be a part of. But it's a place that I knew had open doors where I could run. And so we ran in that Marriott as if we owned that Marriott. <laughs> as if we had been checked in and living there. And that front desk guy was so welcoming. And he said, I would rather you be in here than out there. And I just thought of the church. People need, don't need to pay to belong here. People don't need to be members to belong here. People don't need to know doctrine to belong here. They don't need to have the right clothes on or smell the right way to belong here. Because there's a lot of chaos happening on these streets. And I pray that 194 Barton Street is a place where the doors are open. Where broken people, hurting people, fear-filled people can run in and know that here they are safe. There's enough threats outside. There's enough chaos outside. There's enough brokenness on these streets. But I believe that this church... 
can be like that Marriott in the middle of that chaos. That we can stand for this God who is a refuge and a strength and a very present help in time of trouble. That if you are able, we, we will welcome you in as part of the family of God. Today marks four years that my dad had a heart attack. Four years. I, I mean, a massive heart attack. A heart attack that they label as a widow maker. I mean, this was a, a, a crazy day in our family. Four years ago today where we were faced with the reality of death. But thanks be to God that in Christ we can face anything knowing that we will live. And you're saying, well, people do die. People do die. And I, and I understand that. But John 3.16 gives me a promise. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So I can make a promise to you today based on the promises of God that if you are in Christ, we can't face anything, even physical death, but yet we still will not die because we are not living for this life. We are living for the life to come. In Christ, you can face anything knowing that at the end of the story, you will live. And the only reason we can live is because of Jesus. That's the only reason that I can give you this promise this morning is because of Jesus, the, the one who died in our place, the one who died so that we could have life. The reason why I can stand up here on a platform and preach to you this gospel of life and this gospel, this promise that we will live through anything is because Jesus faced everything for us on Calvary's cross. He died so that we could live. He faced the grave so that we could come out. He called our name. And today, whoever will confess and believe on the name of Jesus, you can face anything knowing that in Christ you will live he is our refuge he is our strength he is our very present help in time of trouble and I don't know if this word is for you today or if it's a word for you this week but I want to remind you of the promise of God he will never leave you he will not forsake you God will never abandon his own he is faithful up to a thousand generations of those who call him Lord God is with us the God of Jacob is our fortress be still and know that God is God and that everything else may happen the threats of this world may rage and roar but God God will never abandon his throne. God is with me. God is for me. I will live and I will not die. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. My latter days will be greater than my former days. Nothing will separate me from the promises of God and the love of God in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am protected on all sides by this awesome God. A thousand may fall on my right, ten thousand at my left, but I will not be harmed. I will stay under the shadow of the Almighty. You may stumble and you may fall, but God will raise me up again. I am a survivor. I am undefeated. I am more than victorious. God is by my side, and with God, I can face hell itself because I know that I will live. Can you shout amen? We will live. We will live. We will not die. We will not die. Because with Christ in me, there is no such thing as death. 
You can take my life from me in this earth, but I will still live in the life to come. You can kill me with cancer, but I can still live in the life to come. You may come at me with unemployment, but I will still live in this life and in the life to come because God is my great reward. And with God, you will face everything knowing that you will live. Get on the edge of that cliff and stand tall knowing that you will survive. Walk through that valley of the shadow of death knowing that God is with you and you will not fear. Go through it, church, because you know that God is with you. And if God be for us, who can stand against us? Can you shout amen and stand to your feet this morning? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, oh God, for the promises of God in Christ Jesus that are yes and amen. We will not die. We will live. Because if God is for me, who shall be against me? Come death, come hell, come Satan himself. I don't care what comes my way. In God, I will live. I will have life. I will not die. In Jesus, there is life and life in abundance. Lord, as your church leaves this service today, we leave here with a firm conviction that you are our fortress and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Raise up this church, oh God, as a safe haven in a city, in a community, in a region that needs a place to belong. We ask this in the name above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. In his name we pray, and God's church shouted, amen. Amen. I love you guys. God bless.